The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Join your host, who is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely Hyphen You and has 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power. And now, here is Gina Gardner, your host of Leadership for Life. Hello there, and welcome to today's show. I'm really excited about our guest. I have spoken to her previously on another show, just an amazing story. Every time we listen to the news, we hear of instances of violence and abuse. And it would be very easy to think that you are powerless against it if you are on the receiving end. And I want us to explore during today's show how we, each in our own way can um, do something to help avoid violence and abuse, but also that it doesn't have to define you and that no matter what's gone on in your life, how awful the experiences have been, you have the resilience and the power to take charge of your life. And, And Madeline Black, my guest, is absolute living proof of that. But before we get into her story and her amazing work helping people recognise their own resilience and their their capacity to not only survive the most awful situations, but to thrive, I want to talk to you about how we, within our own lives, do have an opportunity to make choices that can make a difference. And violence and abuse comes in just so many forms. And it's very easy to think about it in terms of the terrible acts that we hear about on the news, the atrocities, and not actually take on board the responsibility that within our words and our actions, we all have the capacity to hurt other people. And if they're on the receiving end for them to see that that is abuse. You know, during lockdown, and we've all experienced lockdown in in the UK, which is where I and Madeline come from, they are beginning to open things up again, having had months of people being stuck in their house, children not at school. And one of the most tragic things for me, apart from the fact that many people have died and been ill, has been the huge increase in the number of, of children and women generally, but not exclusively, who have experienced domestic abuse or child abuse and that they've not had any safe outlet to go and speak about their experiences and to get help or at least that's what they thought and to recognize that you know you may be living an existence which seems really ordinary and and wonderful but there are many people who on a daily basis are facing the bone-crunching fear of what's going to happen. Will I say something or do something that's going to um, elicit a violent or an unkind response? 
You've heard me talk, if you listen to the show, about taking radical responsibility for your actions, for your emotions, for whatever you do. And that's fine as an adult. And I want to make that very clear. I'm not talking about um, that, you know, children ultimately have to learn and model how to take responsibility from the people that they're with. But taking radical responsibility means that understanding that everything you do, every word you speak, how you speak, every action you take or not, is your choice. And I've got a guest coming later on um, in the year who was um, the victim of systematic abuse as a child that she reported to school and social workers came round and the police came round. But because the people who were involved looked wonderful, were seen as pillars of the community, they ignored the children. And it wasn't until years and years later that those people were held to account and the woman who was involved in the systematic physical abuse of the children that she'd adopted and fostered was actually sent to prison. And we're not talking about mild stuff here. So this is responsibility at every level, responsibility in terms of the people who are the perpetrators, but responsibility of the people who don't say anything, don't take action. Responsibility for all of us to be mindful, to be watchful. And I'm reminded, you know, when I was a, a head teacher, a principal of a school, that bullying was one of those things that we were very, very hot on and that we didn't tolerate it, didn't say it didn't ever happen. But one of the challenges we often had with, with parents was if somebody upsets you, you hit them. You know, don't take it, you hit them. And the challenge with that is that it's very difficult to work out where things started. And as soon as physical violence is involved, then even if you were um, goaded, even if you were um, somebody else initiated it, if you carry it on, that violence escalates. Now we can see that at an individual level, in uh, the playground, and it's generally a hope, um, small fry. But we can see it at a country, at an international level, where one country will do something, another country will respond, or another group within that country will respond. And what you end up with is a huge escalation of violence and abuse going on. I had a conversation with um, Rachel Davidson, and she's been on the show. She she helps me um, a great deal with the technical stuff. And we were having a discussion is what is it that makes people violent? What is it that takes people from being ordinary citizens, for example, to being part of the of the Nazi regime in the Second World War? Or to um, to any group of people who will start off as perfectly normal, ordinary citizens and their moral compass becomes more and more out of whack. And it's, for me, I think the thing that is the, the most challenging is that we are talking about people who within other circumstances would be behaving in a way that we would consider really 
appropriate and acceptable. The other thing that I find really challenging is that when you see people and you talk to them, you don't really know what goes on behind closed doors. They are giving you their persona. You see a, they have a perception of those. And it's so often a perception which belies what's going on below the surface. I mean, this is a huge topic and one that over the next few months, periodically, I've got guests coming on so we can explore different aspects of it. Because if you are in a situation where you are experiencing violence or abuse, then I would urge you to be brave enough to ask for help. If you are someone who knows that when you've had a drink or when things aren't going your way, that you've got a temper and that you lash out, I'd urge you to get help. But recognize that abuse tends to go in cycles, not always. And we have a, an amazing example of someone who has turned that round into such a positive way, a positive purpose in life. But it's very common for people who have been abused to become bullies and abusers, not always, and I'm not saying that, that that is always the case, but at some point that cycle has to be broken. And if you are listening to this and you are having challenges on either the receiving end or the fact that you know that what you're doing is not appropriate and not right, then I would really, really urge you to get help. Let's see how we can break the cycle of violence and abuse, because all it does is get more violence and more abuse. So we're going to have a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to introduce the amazing Madeline Black to you. Her story is incredible. But what I find more incredible is how she's turned her life around and what she's now doing. It's just amazing. So please don't go away. See you after the break. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-you.com or also from Amazon. 
Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for a Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Hi there. In a moment, I'm going to um, introduce Madeline Black into the show. But before I do, I want to share with you. These are her own words that I'm going to start with. I remember wishing they'd kill me to make it all end. It takes courage to speak the unspeakable, but for many years, Madeline Black felt too afraid and too ashamed to utter a word of what had happened to her. Violently attacked at the age of 13, her story is one of pain, but also of healing, resilience and forgiveness. Madeline uses her personal and moving story to shatter the shame, stigma and silence surrounding sexual violence. And to show that it's not the events in our life that define us, but how we choose to reclaim our lives after that and to show us how we can do it, how we become unbroken. Through her words, Madeline hopes to find other, help others find the courage to speak up whatever their story in order to live their lives fully. In March 2018, she won the Amazing Strength Award at the number one magazine, Amazing Women Awards. And in October of the same year, she was asked to be the patron for Say Women. She's a two times TEDx speaker, a storyteller for the Forgiveness Project, and has recently become involved with their program, Restore, sharing her story in prisons. In June 2020, she was asked to be the patron for Justice Is Now. And in December 2020, she was asked to be an ambassador for freedom from abuse. She's a psychotherapist and her memoir, Unbroken, was published on April the 4th, 2017. Without more ado, I'd like to introduce you to Madeline Black. Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the show. You're welcome, Gina. Lovely to be here with you. Thank you. Now, I've heard your story before, but our visitors, our viewers and our listeners haven't. Please share your amazing story. Sure. Well, my story really starts in the late 1970s when I was just 13 years old. Um, I guess I did something that most people do at some point in their life. I lied to my parents that night about where I was staying. My friend's mum was away, so we used her empty flat. and We managed to buy vodka, which I've never, ever drunk before. I can't even smell it. And we took it to a local cafe and we drank it in secret, basically. I had never drunk before, so obviously it didn't take me very long to get very drunk very quickly. And... I threw up everywhere and they kicked us out of the cafe. And then two young men from our table put us into a taxi to take us back to my friend's mum's empty flat. And to cut a long story short, they weren't there to help me. They were there for other things and they proceeded to rape and torture me over a four to five hour period. That, well, words don't describe how that must have been. So, 
traumatized and hurt what next well uh, i was very scared about speaking out because they threatened me um, they told me they would find me and kill me and one of them having looked in his face i thought yeah one of them actually was maybe very capable of killing a human being so i didn't speak about it but obviously it has to come out of your system somehow so it impacted me for years. I had depression, eating disorder, used anything I could just to numb out and forget it. I attempted suicide. So I was in a children's psychiatric ward for a good few months when I was 13. Um, yeah, it, it was it was dark days for a long time. I'm sure. And without, without wanting to skip over it, because for me, your story is one of triumph and of resilience. So how do you go from being in a, in a psychiatric unit for young people? How do you get out of that huge, dark, deep pit? Well, not quickly. <laughs> Anyone no. who's listening, you know, it's not a sprint. It's definitely a marathon. And I think trauma is just multi-layered. And I just, something always drove me just to clean up the layers. You know, I'd work one layer for a while. I'd be okay for a few months or a year or two and then something else would come up, then I'd go and work that. I was just always on a mission to clean up my trauma. I always knew that I just didn't want to be defined by what had happened to me. I, I, I don't think any of us are the events in our life. Um, yes, it, it impacted on my life and it shadowed my life for a long time, but I'm not I'm more than the, the, uh, the sum of one night really. You know, I'm not what happened to me. And then I realized gradually over time, that my shame was never my shame. My shame always was theirs. I'd held on to inappropriate shame for many, many years, but I also saw that I'm not my body or I'm not the things that were done to me. It was a crime that was committed against my body. Absolutely. So at what point, given that I appreciate that, you know, these are layers of, of, of emotions and trauma that need to be dealt with, where for you could you, I mean, is there a single point that you, that you can say, that's when I recognised that actually I had moved beyond and that I was going to do things with others or was it a, a process? How did, how did that work for you? Yeah, I think reversing my decision to become a mum was the is when I turned a massive corner on my healing journey because when I met my husband a few years ago now nearly 40 years ago I told Goodness. him I would I know never become a mum because I, I really thought there'd be men present men at my cervix it would be like being raped again it, I had a real phobia about giving birth um but I have three girls so I obviously <laughs> changed that decision and that that was really standing up against my trauma not listening to what my trauma was telling me you know it told me that I would be terrified it told me I'd be scared it told me I couldn't do that but I thought if I don't become a mum they've won I'm handing all my power and control over to them and actually they didn't even have any idea. So it, it just made me more determined to become a mum once I really woke up to what I was yeah. allowing my trauma to control. So that was a huge start in my healing journey, definitely. So now can you talk people through the work that you are busy doing and how that operates? Because I think it, it, it's so important and so special. Yeah, it would be great to say that uh, 
I wasn't needed anymore. It would be brilliant to say, you know, there's no reason to speak out. But I saw that people just drown in shame. They just drowning and drowning in shame because we're not supported by society. There's so much victim blaming and rape culture that's out there. And we're seeing it more and more violence against women or at the moment there's the hashtag everyone's invited to so all the young women started with private schools now it's all schools that are talking about the sexual harassment they received and the the little input or support they got from schools so it's just everywhere it really is um i've lost track of what your question was sorry <laughs> my question was really to to um to explain what your work is how uh, your message and how you're getting it out there um and and the real principles behind it yeah so i worked up until a couple of years ago as a psychotherapist but when i first shared my story it'll be seven years ago this year with the forgiveness project i was asked to speak more and more and you know i, I it was hard to juggle both so i decided i have to focus on one or the other so I, I asked myself that if I'm meant to be a speaker, then I would love a sign. And I thought I'd love to work internationally. And I thought, well, that would never happen. But within about the space of a week, I was invited to South Africa and I was invited to the Maldives by a conference which was funded by UNICEF. And I thought, OK, these are good signs. I will take these signs. And it sounds amazing, which obviously it was to go to the Maldives. But every woman that spoke to me at that conference had been abused or raped or... It was just horrific, the level of abuse and the lack of support. You know, no rape crisis, no refuge, nothing, no counselling services. It was really, it was an eye-opener for me. And I shared my story initially with the Forgiveness Project. And our founder is a, an amazing journalist, a woman called Marina Cantacuzuno. And she always calls us story healers rather than storytellers. And I've just really felt the power that comes when I share my story. You know, every time I speak, somebody will share their story, sometimes for the very first time, or someone's read my book or listened to a, a, a talk, one of the TEDx's. And I just really, really believe in the power that share from that comes when we share our stories. So in some ways, this is now, I feel like my purpose, you know, it's my duty that if I can speak out, then that's maybe what I'm meant to do. So it's very heart-centered. I don't really do it as a business, even though I, my speaking gigs are a lot less than they used to because of COVID. Um, but I just really speak out just to help others to find their voice and to find their courage just yeah. to live their best life. So they're not held back in any way by holding things in. No, it's interesting, isn't it? When I first became a head teacher, a principal of a school, we're now talking about 1984, um, and prior to that, it was very unusual in schools for there to be um, anything. I remember mine was, um, mine. we're not talking about later age teenagers. Um, abuse wasn't spoken of in terms of curriculum. Um, and I arranged for my staff to have some training. And I insisted that all staff attended, not just the teachers, because very often, in my experience, it's often the secretary or it's it's the, the um, classroom assistant that the child confides in. And we were partway through the training and one of my members of staff just rushed out. She was 60, almost ready to retire. And I went after her and she was sobbing. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, that was me. Oh. And she had never told us all. 
And at the age of 60, the abuse happened about the same age as it did when for you, about age of 13. She had held on to that hurt and just contained it. And, you know, the quality of her life, I think, would have been so different if she had heard somebody else share a story and have permission for it to be all right for her to share hers. Yeah, it, it, all these stories always move me so much because like you, I think it didn't have to be like that. No. I have a very similar story. Um, when I was interviewed by Sir Trevor MacDonald for Radio 4, my friend's mum basically was listening to the show and told her daughter of her own experiences yeah. and ended 64 years of silence. She was 81. And like you, I think, oh my gosh, 64 years she kept that in. What a difference it would have made if she was able to find her voice. But my friend said it, it's completely changed her. There's like this, just this weight has lifted from her and she shares other things now that she never used to share before. So she's learned a lot more as well. So, uh, but yeah, that, that's my I think that's a, that's a really big message to anybody who's listening or watching is if you have been the victim of abuse and you haven't told anybody or you haven't been able to talk to people who can actually be supportive of you, please don't give up. Please don't hold that in because it needs to be said and you need to recognise that it's not your crime, that it, yes. is, it is not your shame, as you, you have, have so rightly said. Absolutely. It's never too late to get support, to get help. No. Never. So you talk a lot about resilience and you are a perfect example of resilience in action. So what are the principles? And the other thing you talk a lot about is forgiveness. It's one of the themes of, of my show is forgiveness is something we talk about a lot. And I talk about it's not about forgetting and it's not about condoning. For me, it's about freedom. But I'd love to hear your take on it. Yeah, I, I, I used to call myself an accidental forgiver. I never <laughs> never intended to forgive them because I was filled with hate and revenge and bitterness and anger. I was just horrible. I was just so sarcastic to any men that I met for the first time. I was just, obviously, it was all protection. But the idea was kind of put across to me. And I saw it was nothing to do with them. You know, I don't I don't want to be a forgiveness preacher. This is my journey and this is how I did yeah. it. And I'll never forgive the act of rape, as you said. I don't condone that in any way because it was a total violation on not just my body, but my mind and my psyche for years. But I look at the word forgiveness as forgiving. So it's forgiving me a better chance mm -hmm. because before I was able to do that, it's almost a way of just letting it all go, you know, accepting what was done, realizing that I'm okay, they didn't kill me, I'm still alive, I'm I'm not what happened to me, I'm so much stronger than I ever really gave myself permission to believe I was. And if we really choose to, we can get past anything that happens to us. So forgiveness was really my key to freedom, as you said, you know, it sets you free, but it cut the chains that tied me to them. And they cut the chains that tied me to the past. And all that anger I felt, again, in the very beginning when I nearly didn't become a mum, they had no idea that I was angry with them. It, it, it was like one of a saying that I've heard is like uh, not forgiving or being angry is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. And that's what I was doing. I was poisoning myself with my anger. And I had three girls that I struggled to have. And 
what would be the point if I was angry and on edge and you know bitter all the time? Mm. So it's a lot more peaceful from this from this place. But and I, I think that's really it. I've just made peace with my past because I struggled to accept all the details. I was caught in denial for many many years. Um, and that was a shame, really. I thought if people knew they would look at me differently as if somehow what had happened was a reflection of me. It made me a, a lesser person because I felt so worthless for years. But, you know, it was a crime I committed against my body. And that's it at the end of the day. Yeah. One of the things and it, it may I know you do a huge amount of work speaking and supporting people who have been through um, sexual abuse. One of the things that I find a challenge is how do we create a society where it people don't a don't feel the need to that they don't that they have a moral compass which says of course we wouldn't um and that in those cases where they do that they that the people who are the victims of it are given the right sort of support in the right sort of timing so they feel they can come forward and they can be fully supported to heal as soon as possible. Now, that's a huge question. Yes. And I'm very aware that we've only got a little bit of time. But I'd just be grateful for you to share your thoughts in terms of how do we move this forward? Because it seems to be an age old problem that doesn't go away. I think we need to disrupt rape culture you know women make up more than 50 percent of the population we're still not treated equally you yeah. know if um, men were paid what women were then we'd see how angry they'd become there's no women in boardrooms for example hardly any you know sit on boards it's, it's such a male dominated patriarchal system that we live in but also when we look at victim blaming when we look at rape culture it just silences victims Yes, we need to educate our young people um, about consent, uh, respect, healthy relationships, but it's more than that. We need to look at our music, our, the way we advertise, you know, films, how we objectify women, how we over-sexualize women, young girls, and all the things that people think are acceptable, you know, if you're a, in a group WhatsApp chat group and you're a you know, a group of men and you send inappropriate images and you all laugh, you're part of the problem as well doesn't mean just because you don't go out and rape or assault someone that, that, that you're not, you're still part of the problem. Mm. When we say boys will be boys or it wasn't rape because he was a police officer or, you know, I didn't think it was assault because girls look older than they are these days. You know, all these messages that we put out there, this yeah. is all part of rape culture and we need to disrupt it. So it's not just a women's issue, it's a men's issue. We They need to support their sisters. If they see a young woman, any woman, on the underground, on a train, a bus, being harassed by a group of men, step in there and make sure she's okay rather than just move carriage. You know, people mm. don't get involved. So, yeah, it's it's going to take a while. And one of the charities you mentioned that I am a patron for, Justices Now, they look at stopping the rape culture and the victim-blaming messages that are used within the court system. So mm. if that's the the thinking of the judges and the lawyers that they work with, you know, what women, what, what chance do women have if they report a crime? We know now that rape is almost decriminalized because in, especially in Scotland where I live, of all cases that make it to court, which is hardly any, it's a tiny percentage that will end in conviction. So why why would you bother reporting it? You know, uh, it's so re-traumatizing, re-triggering to be a witness in your own rape trial that it, it it's really tough so if you hear that it's going to be four percent chance of getting a conviction 
why would you even bother reporting it? You know, we've heard of so many victim blaming messages from police as well, women that go through the services. There's a lot, a lot of changes needed. But, you know, we also, it's hard when we focus on all the negative, I have to look at what's changed as well. So yeah. for my mum, who's 81, it was so normal that your boss would pinch your bum, would make you sit on his lap, would tell you to go make a cup of tea for him. I hope my girls will never work in a situation like that. You know, I think they would definitely tell them where to go and where to put their job if they were ever spoken to in that way. So I think the more of us that speak out, it gives other people their voice as well. And we bring light to this darkness. And that's when changes can be made. I agree with you. And I think one of the things for me is if you have daughters, then if you have children, because I think it's true for boys too, it's about having a healthy, great relationship with yourself. Yeah. That if you have self-confidence, and I'm not talking about the bully boy ego type, you know, aren't I wonderful? I'm talking about people who truly appreciate and love who they are they will feel more confident to speak out and say this isn't acceptable than people who think, well, I'm not really worth much, so that's what I have to put up with. Um, I think that will help. I don't, as you say, it's it's complex and it's multi-layered, but I think every single one of us can do our part. There's a famous quote that I mash every time and I really must find out who said it because I forget. Um, the only thing, that is required for bad things to continue happening is for good men, interestingly, to keep silent. Yeah. I'll change it for people to keep silent. Yeah. yeah, I think also we need to look at how we deal with trauma in society. I think there's so much unprocessed trauma with the work that I've done, the, the little work that I've done in prisons, most of the women in the group I worked with had been raped or abused. Maybe 98, 99% of the women had very similar stories to me. Yeah. And also men, you know, there's so much trauma as well. So I do believe that hurt people hurt people. And if we can't heal from the trauma, there's always going to be hurt and disappointments mm -hmm. taking place. Interesting, isn't it? Because I was talking to somebody else about trauma and their view was that, that tra a trauma is when it's something that is is challenging for you to deal with you know really difficult for you to deal with and that people often have a measure of other people's trauma based on on never having experienced that particular trauma itself so it's not about you know my trauma was worse than your trauma it's about how do I deal with my own trauma and in dealing with that become more resilient Absolutely. It's not a pain Olympics. It's no. not a comparison game because at the end of the day, it's not about what happened to us. It's important. It's what we do with it. You know, that's what really matters. So you talk about resilience and in the few minutes that we have left, I would be really grateful if, you know, are there um, any uh, principles that you can share with people in terms of how do they access their own resilience? Yeah, I think I was born to two spectacular parents. My father was a Holocaust survivor, and it wasn't really what he said, but how he lived his life. So, and my mum as well had her neck broken during an operation and was bedridden for a few years. And they both just both got on with it. You know, they both, my mum decided one day to sack all the nurses and throw away all the pills and went for self-hypnosis. She worked with a hypnotherapist for a long time and it really healed herself. And my dad also 
just refused to be in a victim mentality. He said, uh, you know, I am a survivor of the Holocaust, but that's not really about who I am. I'm yeah. here to live my life. I love my life. And he met my mum and had five of us. And he said that would never have happened if he hadn't lost all of his family, you know. So I guess everything is about our attention and where we put our focus. Yes, you're, you are going to be victimized for a long time, you know, not a long time, for however long you are, because you, if it's as a result of a crime or whatever the trauma is, and you need to get support, you need to get help, you have to recognize it's, it's really hard to do that journey by yourself. But once I had really worked the trauma sufficiently, and it wasn't just in my mind, but in my body, because it's caught in ourselves, I saw that I had a choice that I could really stay in this mentality, or I could choose to grow from what I went through, you know, and I could really live my life. And in some ways, I wouldn't undo what happened because it taught me amazing gratitude because I very nearly was one of these women that were raped and then killed. You know, they, they decided to not kill me very near to the end. Um, and I had to be grateful to the one that wasn't as bad as the worst one because he stopped his friend. So I have learned to be so grateful for my life. And I think gratitude really has helped me to look at all that's good. There's always bad. It's 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 holding both. Can we hold both and be okay? You know, it's, the I guess, a paradox. But yeah, be grateful for my life. Learn to accept, um, learn to let go and just live in the moment. Don't get caught in the past and don't get caught in my imagination worrying about the future. Just try to stay as grounded and as steady as I possibly can. I think that's great advice for everybody. <laughs> You know, it, living your life, um, living it fully and recognising you can't do anything about the past to change it other than learn from it and build on it and the future may never happen. Yeah. So just before we finish and go to the break, where can people, your book, tell us about your book and also where people can get hold of you. Sure. My book is called Unbroken and it had its fourth birthday just last week. You can get it on all on all bookstores or online, Amazon, wherever. And you can just find out more from me from my website, madeleineblack.co.uk. And I am on all social media platforms. And we'll make sure that all of those details are in the notes. Um, now, those of you that are used to watching the show know that um, that Genuinely You is a very proud member of B1G1, Buy One, Give One. And that we ask our guests to decide on a particular project uh, and Madeline, your project, uh, you've chosen um, to support the creation of boreholes providing clean water. Yep. You know, I find it very sad in the 21st century that there are so many people who are still having to drink um, dirty water because there is no alternative. Absolutely. Um, so this uh, project is in Zimbabwe um, and it makes sure um, that actually, no, it's not. I'll get it right in a minute. Um, it's in Tanzania. Um, and so it's providing water for people um, so that they can have clean water. So my thanks to you for uh, that choice, but huge thanks to you for sharing your incredible story and giving people a sense of hope for the future. And if you have been abused, if you want to hear more, or you're part of an organisation that needs a speaker who can speak eloquently from first-hand experience. Thank you, Madeline Black. You're welcome. Thanks, Gina. Thanks, darling.
Bye-bye now. Don't go away after the break. Um, please come back because we're not finished yet. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk4TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people, a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-you.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for a Leadership for Life VIP day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there. Uh, by the way, I got the boreholes, the water boreholes, I've got completely the wrong place. It's Turkana, where rain is a very rare event and the locals have a huge um, problem in accessing clean water. So we will be paying for um, some help towards boreholes in Turkana. I've worked with many people who have been abused one way or another. And I think one of the reasons why this is a theme that I've um, looked at a number of times so far and will continue to do so is because there are many people who are locked in that pain, having been abused and feel that actually that there is nothing that they can do about it. And as a result, they live a life which is almost a life in the shadows of the light and and freedom that they could have if they had the courage to face what had happened and to deal with it. And I absolutely accept that it is something that's a real challenge. But what I do know is having worked with so many people that when they are able to to take on board that they don't have to stay being a victim. Yes, they were a victim at the time of whatever um, was done to them, but now it's a choice of whether you stay in that place of being a victim or if you choose to step into your own power. And it's one of the reasons for setting up this show. It's called Leadership for Life. 
And when you step into your true power, then you don't have to be a victim anymore. Does it mean that the, the crime, the abuse, the violence didn't take place? No, it doesn't. But what it does mean is that it doesn't continue to govern and rule your life day after day, year after year, decade after decade, after the original uh, abuse. And for me, the resilience that comes from recognizing that actually a big part of who you are now, how you have survived, the strengths that you've created, the empathy, the insights, well, you didn't want it to happen and it should never have happened. But despite that, there are things, positive things that have come out of it. And you can harness those and use those as a vehicle for, for something which is, you know, really positive and really great. But it is a difficult journey to do by yourself. And if you are someone who's experienced abuse and, you know, needs some help, then reach out, gina at genuinely-u.com. Um, that there is help there for you if you want it. Forgiveness for me is the huge key because rather than taking that poison and expecting the other person to die, rather than allow those chains to keep yanking you back. You know, when I talk to, to my clients, I describe it as having a great big portmanteau. And for those that don't know what a portmanteau is, a big trunk, a big piece of luggage, huge. They used to you know, put them on ships, great big, a piece of luggage and for some it's a bit like the containers that they put in in ships on ships now and that you're dragging that with you every step of every uh, place you go to because you'll take you wherever you go and by dealing with it what you do is you cut the chains that are keeping that tied to you and you allow yourself the freedom to move on does it mean that the situation never happened no it doesn't but does it mean that that situation, however long it was, whether it was one event or whether it was years of abuse, doesn't matter in the sense that once you cut those chains, you give yourself freedom in the moment, in the everyday now and for the future. And it, you really are worth doing that work. You really are worth being empowered, seeing this as part of your evolution seeing that you have the capacity to live a happy, successful, fulfilling life, no matter what has happened in your life before. It is your choice. And whilst I recognize that for some of you who are listening, that this may seem like a fairy tale, I now know from my own experience of, of the challenges that I've met in my life and from working with so many clients, that you aren't the challenge, that you have the choice to do with it what you choose to use it as an opportunity to learn and grow or one that's going to keep you caged so i do hope you found the show of value today if you are someone who has experienced or is experiencing abuse please get some help please be brave enough to step out you don't deserve to be treated badly if you are a, um, a parent of a child and you are concerned that your child is being um, emotionally, physically, sexually abused, please take action. If a child tells you, discloses, please believe them. If you're a teacher or if you're part of social service or the police, 
don't be taken in because people look like a pillar of society. Um, I was talking to somebody just last week and they'd been systematically uh, abused by a pillar of the church um, and they told their father and the father didn't want to upset um, the priest. And so the abuse went on. So please be brave, take a stand um, and choose to step out of being a victim into being the leader of your own life and helping your children to have a great sense of self-worth and helping them to become the leaders of their life. So join me next week. It's lovely to talk to you. You just take care and don't forget that you have the choice to be the leader in your own life. Bye-bye now. You have been listening to The Leadership for Life with your host, Gina Gardner. Make sure you tune in to W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV next Thursday and every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for more Leadership for Life. If you missed any part of this episode or just want to hear or see it again, you can find the archive of the TV show on Talk 4 TV's YouTube channel and the podcast of The Leadership for Life on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your podcast.